Uh, it is so good to be in this uh, new place and seeing all of half of your faces. It's fantastic. Um, some of you guys have great eyes. Others, you know, you have eyes. So that's good. No, I was kidding. I've, I've really missed you guys. And it's been so cool. I was laughing uh, <laughs> with somebody walking in. I was like, man, there's, our, our, there's like people who want to come back to church and like our church. That's so cool. They love our church. So um, it's so good to be back with you guys. I am going to encourage you. It is really weird looking out at a group of people all wearing face masks. And usually, you know, I, as I'm in my talk and sermon and preaching, I judge kind of how I'm doing by how you're looking at me. And so now I have no idea. So next week, maybe make some signs. Amen. Boo. Get off the stage. Whatever. Yeah, come on. Preach, preacher. 20 more minutes. You know, keep going. It's whatever. Um, something. I need something. But also, man, if I can just say this, it is so good to hear you guys laugh at my jokes. Amen, right? That was for Joel. Um, all right, guys. Um, one more thing I have to say. Natalie, I'm going to do the old church thing. Stand up, girl. Natalie's back from Africa. You guys give it up. All the way from you. She came all the way from Uganda to be here at this service today. So thank you, Natalie, for being here. She has a late flight later this evening. All right. Um, so good to be back with you guys. Second thing, um, this is weird, right? I mean, we're in service together. We're in a new facility. There's children in here with us, which honestly is a huge blessing, don't you think? Like I was sitting here with my son, I thought it's going to be weird and, you know, maybe they'll be crying and, you know, yelling or all just coming from my chat children. Um, but I was holding my son during worship and he was just raising his hand up and he because he was watching me and his mom. And we had literally had a conversation about what it means to raise your hand and sing in songs to Jesus. That's a pretty cool blessing. And so even in the craziness, there is absolute beauty, isn't there? Absolute beauty. And so I'm excited for that. One more housekeeping thing before I actually start preaching. Um, I have some pretty cool news. So as you guys know, we've been working on trying to find a permanent facility or permanent location for our church home. And so we haven't found one yet. I know you're like, is he about to announce something? We haven't. Um, but we've been kind of saving money and raising some funds to do that. I got a phone call last week uh, from, I'll just say, a generous donor who loves our church very much. And what they told me is he said, hey, me and my wife, for the next 30 days, we will match any money given to the building fund up to $20,000. Yeah, yeah. I see y'all clapping, but I don't see anybody reaching for the wallets yet. So I'm just, I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just playing. Somebody told me last week that they would write a million-dollar check to get that $20,000. It will bounce, but they said they will still do it. So um, all joking aside, that's a pretty incredible offer. And I know that we've all been praying. Katie and I have been talking and praying about you know, what we might do, if you've been praying about that, if you'd like to give, it would be a great time to do that now. Get us, help us get that matching donation. Um, so if you want to do that, you can give online, website, river. Just make sure you do the giving tab, the building fund tab, so that way we know it goes there, okay? All right, enough of that, enough of that, but I thought that was some pretty incredible news I wanted to share with you guys up top. Um, so let's jump right in here. Um, after finishing Habakkuk, I was kind of praying about uh, where are we going to head next as a church? And I, and I kind of had a plan. As a matter of fact, I took a few weeks off from preaching in July to kind of come up with what are, you know, basically the schedule for the whole year. I kind of plan out, you know, what I'm going to preach kind of for the next year. And so I had a plan here, but as we were kind of heading into this, I kind of 
felt led in a different direction and started thinking about this incredible sermon that Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 5. I know many of you guys are probably familiar with it. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, and it's one of really considered the greatest, probably, sermon of all time. And what we basically have from the Sermon on the Mount, if you think about it in the book of Matthew, are Matthew's notes on Jesus' sermon. You think about that? He basically wrote down his notes of what Jesus said. He didn't write down word for word, but he wrote his notes. So make sure you take good notes, right? You never know who might be reading your notes. I joke about that, but it could be a grandchild, could be a child one day reading the things that you wrote while you were sitting in a service learning about Jesus, okay? You never know, right? And so there's this sermon that Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount that was so impactful. You hear even people like uh, Martin Luther King Jr. talks about how the Sermon on the Mount impacted how they saw uh, social change uh, back in the 60s, right? You hear even Gandhi, someone who's not even a, a professed Christian, talk about how the Sermon on the Mount impacted how they brought about revolution in India, right? So not to mention, like those are just some huge ways it's made a difference in our world, not even talking about the millions and millions and millions of lives like yours and mine that it's impacted. It's, I mean, you got to think it's an incredible sermon. I mean, I consider myself a decent preacher. No revolutions have been started off of any of my sermons yet. There's still time. Maybe this is the one, right? So if we look at the Sermon on the Mount, in this sermon, Jesus constantly refers back to this idea of the kingdom of heaven. And he talks about this idea of the kingdom of heaven and the people, the Christians, that's us in this place, if you're a Christian, who are a part of the kingdom of heaven. He talks about what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And it's not, the Sermon on the Mount is not a, here's five steps on how you get into heaven. It's this is what the kingdom of heaven looks like for followers of Jesus. As followers of Jesus, this is how then you should live as members of the kingdom of heaven. Got it? I think that's pretty crucial for us right now in the time we're living in right now, because I don't know if you guys know this, but we're in a pandemic. Did y'all know that? Did you know that we have some elections coming up that are going to be really divisive? Did you guys know that we have riots happening and we have social change happening? Like, if you think about 2020, 2020 is going to be the year that your grandkids and great-grandkids ask you about and go, how did you make it through 2020? Am I right? They're going to, literally, there's, there's going to be written in the history books about this year. And I know you're probably tired of hearing about this year, but I think what Jesus has to say in the Sermon on the Mount about how members of the kingdom of heaven should live really applies to us right now, don't you think? Don't you think? I can't see your mouths moving. I need to hear it. Amen. Don't you think? You know, in Habakkuk, we talked a lot about trusting in God through suffering. We talked about hoping in God through suffering, but in this series, what I want to talk about is living for God through suffering and living for God through change, living for God through a pandemic, living for God in controversy and division and what that looks like for us. Because here's the truth, River Church, is that the requirements for someone who's a part of the kingdom of heaven are very different than the requirements for how to live for someone who's a part of the kingdom of earth. Amen? Amen. And so this series, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to take a few weeks. I'm going to pull out some ideas from this uh, Sermon on the Mount that I think apply to us today. And we're going to talk about how then can we as Christians live in the kingdom of heaven that is actually also here on earth now. 
okay? So let's jump right in, Matthew chapter 5, and I'm going to read here uh, 1 through 10. It says, when he saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and then he began to speak to him. So Jesus sits down. Y'all are like, he's already stopping? Jesus sits down, he begins to teach, which you've got to think is going to be pretty annoying for all the crowds who are pressing in. They're trying to hear, they want to hear what he says, but he basically sits down because he's going to talk to his, his disciples. And if you notice, when Jesus is walking around, there's always three groups of people who are following him around. You've got the disciples who are the devoted, right? They're the ones who are all in. There's the one who are, who are sold out. They're the ones who've said yes to Jesus. They're the ones who are like, whatever it takes, I'm following this dude, except for one guy, right? I'm all in. Then you have the enemies of Jesus. They're the Pharisees. They're the ones who are always trying to tear Jesus down. They're the ones who are always trying to poke holes in Jesus' stories and things that he has to say. But then the third group is you have the crowds. Now, the crowds are the people who have heard what Jesus said. Maybe they've seen some of the miracles that Jesus has done. They've heard some of the teachings that Jesus has given, and they go, I'm not sold yet, but I think I might, I think I might want to know more about this. And I'm not in yet, but I think I might want to maybe, maybe, maybe commit to this, right? And I think as Jesus is going to teach here, he has two goals. One goal is he wants to teach his disciples about what the kingdom of heaven looks like. But I think his second goal here is going to be an invitation to the crowds. Because you've got a lot of people who are listening as Jesus is going to talk about this kingdom of heaven and what it looks like to live in the kingdom of heaven here on earth. But there's also not just the disciples listening. There's a lot of people who are in the crowds paying attention and listening to this beautiful kingdom of heaven that Jesus is going to talk about and what that looks like. And so what I think is that this, partly what he's doing here, is an invitation to come be a part of the kingdom, don't you think? As they listen, why don't you come be a part of this kingdom I'm describing? And I think that what's kind of cool is I, as I was studying this this week and thinking about it, is I was wondering if there was anybody who was there that day who made the decision to join the kingdom of heaven. Think about that. Like, like what if we get to heaven one day and we're talking to somebody and we're like, hey, man, how'd you get saved? You know, I was at Hilltop Camp in Texas when I was 13. They're like, I was at the Sermon on the Mount. What? You got saved at the Sermon on the Mount. Like, that's not even fair, man. Like, if you're at the Sermon on the Mount, you should just, salvation, right? It should just, boom. I go to some rusty old church in the middle of nowhere, Texas, and Jesus got a hold of me, right? Sermon on the Mount, you should just, by hearing it, get saved, right? Joking, that's not a theological statement, okay? Don't. (laughs) You know, as I was thinking about that, I think that's what God wants our churches to be like, don't you think? Places where Christians come and get discipled and learn about Jesus, learn about how to live uh, after Jesus, how to worship Jesus, how to love Jesus together. But I also think they should be places where people who have heard about Jesus but aren't sold out yet are welcome to come and be a part of. Or where they go, man, I'm, I'm, I'm attracted to this thing. I like this idea and I want to come and be a part of this. And then they see us live our lives. They see us follow Jesus and they go, Maybe that kingdom of heaven is attractive. And then, maybe like I believe people did on that day in the Sermon on the Mount, people get saved because not only do they encounter our church, but they encounter Christians who live like the church should. Amen? That was not strong. Amen? 
It's been a long time. You're going to get a lot of that today, okay? I'm sorry. All right, so he sits and begins to teach. Verse 3. This is the first thing he says. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure at heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. If you kind of read this, just the beginning, sounds kind of awful, right? I know you're afraid to admit it, but like when you think about the kingdom of heaven, there's a movie called Kingdom of Heaven, and it does not look like this sounds like, right? Like you think about suffering, being humble, like being poor in spirit. Like I've heard about the blessed life, and that does not sound like the blessed life, does it? But the Beatitudes here, what, what they call this passage, the Beatitudes, it offers us really a sober, sober reality of what the kingdom of heaven for God's people looks like. The characteristics of kingdom life and how God's blessing often rests on the poor in spirit. How God's blessing often rests on the humble. How God's blessing often rests on those who are suffering for righteousness sake, the persecuted, right? You say, but how can this make sense? How do you look at someone and say, you're in mourning, aren't you so blessed? Like, has there anybody ever been in mourning here? Raise your hand if you've ever been in mourning. Anybody? Anybody? And what if I walked up to you and you're like, man, I'm just suffering. I'm mourning. You're like, you are so blessed. What would you say to me? Like, get out of here, you crackhead. Like, get out of here, man. What's wrong with you? But if you look at the way Jesus does this, structures this it's really cool like so he begins and he says this idea blessed are the poor in spirit for the kingdom of heaven is theirs if you notice that's present tense that's right now that's not some future event that's not some future moment he says blessed are those who are poor in spirit for the kingdom of heaven is theirs that's now that's right now that means christians can be experiencing the kingdom of heaven here where we are today you go how can i do that well what is the poor in spirit what does that mean poor in spirit if you look at it closer, poor in spirit are people who have recognized in their life that they are hopeless without Jesus. Poor in spirit are people who recognize that they are nothing without Jesus. That they are broken and hurting and that they need a Savior who can save them from their sins. That they need a Savior who can come in and deliver them from unrighteousness because they can't be righteous on their own, because they can't deserve it on their own. So being poor in spirit is this idea of recognizing our absolute need and hopelessness in anything in this life without Jesus. Poor in spirit is the moment that you come to Jesus and you kneel or you go to the Sermon on the Mount or you go to some place and you go, Jesus, I need you. Will you forgive me of my sins and save my soul? That's poor in spirit. And so Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is yours now because in that moment we experience forgiveness, we experience righteousness, we experience mercy and love and a relationship with God. And that means the kingdom of heaven is now because salvation is 
now. A life-transforming relationship with Jesus is now. He says the poor in spirit are blessed because you get to experience the kingdom of heaven right now in forgiveness of sin and in a relationship with Jesus. But he also says this kingdom of heaven that you're experiencing, that this blessing is not just for now, but it also brings some future promises with it. He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. If poor in spirit represents these promises in the future, excuse me, poor in Poor in spirit represents these promises in the present. Those lists I just read off to you are promises of the future. You say, well, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Why are you, how can you be blessed when you mourn? Because everything's not perfect, because there's suffering, because there's pain, because there's hurt, because there's agony. How can you be blessed when you mourn? Are you blessed because you mourn? No, you're blessed because you're part of the kingdom of heaven as a Christian. And because, because you're a part of the kingdom of heaven, that means that promise he just said right there, one day you will be comforted. That though you're in pain now, because you're a part of the kingdom of heaven, you have a king and a savior who said, one day I'm going to wipe away all those tears. And one day I'm going to take away all that pain. And that's not necessarily maybe a promise for right now in this moment because you're suffering, because you're in pain, but it's a promise for the future that one day I'm going to make everything okay. That's your cue. Amen. Amen. He says, what a blessing it is that even in our mourning, we will always have hope because as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we have a God who says, I will come and comfort you. That even as we mourn deeply, we have hope. This promise is a promise for the future that still holds immeasurable weight right now today. So why are we blessed as the humble? Notice the rest of them are kind of character traits. You see that? Until he gets to the suffering and the persecution, he says, he said, blessed are the humble, right? Why? Because even though this world doesn't value humility and it's a place that seeks its ego over others, because we are part of the kingdom of heaven, God says, in your humility, you will inherit the earth. And that's a promise not based, again, on your humility, but as your future status because of your status as a member of the kingdom of heaven now. It says, why are the merciful blessed? Another character trait, right? Because the creator and the sustainer of the universe shows us and will show us immeasurable mercy. And God goes through all these promises where he says, you are blessed now and in the future because of your status as members of the kingdom of heaven. And you notice these things he talks about, I'm not going to go through all of them deeply, but all of them are kingdom principles. All of them are ways that Jesus says, this is how my kingdom and members of my kingdom operate and live. Humility, mercy, being pure at heart, being a peacemaker, seeking righteousness, that where he says God is close to the mourning, uh, where God is close to the suffering, God is close to the persecuted. These are attributes of the kingdom of heaven, right? And we hear these things, we go, so what in the world do I do with this? Because this sounds hard. Well, one, we pray and thank Jesus for the promise of blessing. Amen? Amen. And then 
The challenge is we embrace the kingdom of heaven. We embrace the kingdom of heaven. And we ask Jesus to help us live as members of the kingdom of heaven should. Because even as I preach this passage to us here tonight, this is both a promise in these beatitudes of blessing, but it's also a calling for those in the kingdom of heaven to live in this way. Isn't that challenging? Isn't that challenging? Because the truth is, unless you're perfect like me, right? Just making sure y'all didn't fall asleep under those masks. The truth is that as members, even as members of the kingdom of heaven, and when I say that, I'm talking about Christians. Those character traits don't come naturally, do they? They don't come easily, do they? And the truth is that there's a lot in this world, especially right now, that is at war with those character traits being built up in us as Christians. But our allegiance as Christians is to the king. And if he says this is how kingdom members live, then this is how we seek to live. Because our allegiance is to the king. You know, growing up um, here in Texas, uh, sports was kind of a big deal, right? Am I right? We like sports, right? As a matter of fact, I've already been threatened that there's a hockey puck drop. Is that how you say it, Matt? At seven, so I better wrap up, right? Just kidding. Oh, I'm not kidding. I did get threatened. But um, Sports, you know, there's sports is a big deal here. And I always judged people based on where their sports allegiances lied. Anybody else? Right? Like if you were a, thank you, Andy. If you're a Cowboys fan, great. Any Cowboys fans in here? Who's excited for football? Yeah. Yeah. But if you were a Patriots fan, how quickly did you get on the bandwagon, buddy? Right? Huh? Huh? Was it hard to get on? Or when it comes to baseball, Rangers? Yeah. They're okay now. But if you're a Yankees fan, evil empire, right? Until the Boston Red Sox won the World Series, then all those fans became a bunch of jerks, right? But the truth is, growing up, we judged people based on, I did, their allegiances when it came to sports. Oh, you're this type of fan. You're this person. You're this. Because why? Our allegiances tell us a lot about ourselves. You can tell what somebody loves by what they pledge their allegiances to. But the thing is, Christians, is that our ultimate allegiance, sadly to say, doesn't lie with the sports team, does it? Our allegiance is not a job. Our allegiance isn't to even a person, a friend, a family member. Our allegiance isn't even to, watch out, River Church. Our ultimate allegiance isn't to a political party either, is it? Our ultimate allegiance isn't even to our country. Although we love our country, we're grateful to be in our country. We love this place. Our ultimate allegiance is Jesus. Full stop. Amen? And while we may love those other things, and those other things may be very important, and many of them are, our ultimate allegiance is Jesus. And so we are, as Christians, we have to think of this way that we are citizens of heaven first. And that must define our values, 
That must define the things we love. That must define the things we fight for. That must define our meaning and our purpose. That must define our character. That must define our actions. And so when your job says you got to pledge your allegiance to this thing first, we say, sorry, job, see ya. It's a pandemic. Just get a new job, right? It's easy. When there's places in our lives that say, I want your allegiance over here, we say, no, my allegiance is to God every time, right? Relationships. We go down, the, we go right back down that list, on and on and on. And right now, I'm preaching this because we're in an insane moment in our history, and our minds, our actions, our moments cannot be shaped by what shapes the rest of the world. It just can't be. Because we seek the kingdom of heaven first. We must seek humility. We must seek mercy. We must seek purity and peace and endurance through suffering. What if we have to suffer? We must seek endurance through suffering. We must seek justice for our hurting. And we must choose those things over every other thing because not just because of the blessing, but because we are citizens of heaven now and in the future. The blessing is also a calling. So we must set our minds in this time, as we head into this season, we must set our hearts and our minds to choose Jesus over all. And I'll be honest, that's going to flesh out in all of our lives differently, isn't it? That's going to flesh out in all of our lives differently, but we have one king, one God, one Savior, and we're all a part of the same kingdom. And so over the next few months, you're going to have a lot of opportunities to choose allegiances. And the election, pray about it, vote how you think you need to vote, but when there's hate being spewed everywhere, you must choose love and kindness. You must choose humility, even while standing for truth, right? I'm not saying you can't stand for truth and speak truth, but you must choose humility and kindness. When other people are seeking power, we must seek the good of all. When the world seeks division, we must seek peace. And again, peace doesn't mean you just roll over and let somebody walk all over you. Sometimes seeking peace means standing up for those who can't stand up for themselves. We must seek peace. So let us, River Church, as we look at this passage, let us seek the blessings that are promised in it. That's okay. Seek the blessings, but let us also seek to be able to stand up and follow and the incredible calling that comes along with it as well. Let us be thoughtful of how we respond over the next three, few months. Let us seek the kingdom of heaven first because we represent the king. And let us represent our king well. Let us be transformed by our king. Let us be transformed by his values, not the values of this world. Now in this moment, let us even be transformed by our king. Because I think this is a great time. Fire refines us, doesn't it, baby? You gotta, that's going to refine us. Let us be discipled by Jesus in this moment. Let us be transformed by Jesus in this moment. Because we are blessed. We are blessed because we are part of the kingdom. So let us seek the values of our king. Let us seek the values of our king. And on top of that, let me just bookend this with over the next few months, there's going to be a lot of people watching you, Christians. There's going to be a lot of crowd out there watching us. 
and seeing if we seek the values of our king or if we seek the values of this world. And so let us, I guess, be worthy of their eyes in the sense of as we live, let them see how we seek the values of our king. And maybe they go, you know what? That kingdom of heaven sounds pretty good to me. While there was division and hate being spewed and and people just cussing each other out on social media and relationships being broken, I don't know, those people from the River Church, they really, they stood up for what was right, but they sought peace and unity and love and mercy. I know this is a crazy idea, but what if over the next few months there's people watching your lives who have cut off Jesus and said, I don't want any more of Jesus because I'm tired of those stupid Christians and they see you and you go, you know what? That kingdom of heaven that you're seeking, I kind of like that idea. Tell me more about it. Tell me more about it. Maybe there's people who get saved and then they go in heaven, hey, how did you get saved? You'll never believe it. It was 2020. <laughs> there was a pandemic and there were some Christians who loved Jesus and sought the kingdom. All right, River Church, the band's going to come and play. We're going to sing one more song. I'm going to pray for us. And the reason why we're going to stand and sing is, one, because we are blessed, because we are part of the kingdom of heaven. Amen? And also because we get to be together again. All right, Jesus, I love you. Thank you so much for this place. Thank you for this church that's allowing us to be here tonight. God, even thank you for the challenge of 2020. God, I pray that you would refine us. I pray that you would disciple us. I pray, Jesus, that you would transform us and that we would be a group of people who seek your kingdom, that we would love you with our lives, Jesus. It's in Christ's name I ask. Amen.